You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. What a wild time we're in. It's back to school time here in the US. Well, sort of. Some kids are going back to the classroom. Some are doing remote learning. Some are doing like a hybrid model, but it's just a very different time and, and a different time for all of us to try to navigate. You know, a lot of kids right now, colleges aren't even opening and allowing kids back on campus and they're doing remote learning. So it's a whole different world that we're living in right now. And I'm just thinking about people in the future listening to this episode and just reminiscing on these times and where we're going to go from here. And what we do right now, the decisions we make truly do determine what it's gonna look like a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. So we're in the process of writing history, which is very empowering. But at the same time, there are things that we gotta figure out and navigate. And today I really want to talk about that and talk about educational wellness, family wellness right now, and also financial wellness, because this is a massive strain that's just gotten uh, accentuated more than ever during this process and to provide some really tangible, viable options and opportunities and insights and tips just to take away and take action on starting today. And even for me in my own household, we are experiencing this management of something very different. My youngest son, Brayden, is going into the third grade. And they got me reminiscing today about my third grade experience. It was also very different. I was going from living with my grandmother until the end of second grade and going to the quote, good school in the county to moving in with my mother for third grade in the inner city. It's probably one of the most, uh, the school that I went to, Hamilton, which is boarded up, gone uh, right now, but in it was probably the lowest ranked school that was in St. Louis at the time. And, but it was still an incredible learning experience for me. And I still remember my third grade teacher, Mr. Ewing. Shout out to Mr. Ewing. Hope you're doing all right. What an interesting character this guy was. Mr. Ewing and Mr. Dylan, the art teacher, would literally put on, they, you, what a great feeling when they wheel in the video cassette player and the TV into your classroom. Come on. That's like, that's like Christmas when the teacher would wheel in the TV into your classroom. But Mr. Dylan and Mr. Ewing, low key, would bring in the TV and they straight up put on 48 hours for us to watch. Not 48 hours of time, but the movie. I believe it's an R-rated film starring Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. Why he would do this, I do not know, except for the fact that Mr. Ewing and Mr. Dylan were getting a little high. They're doing a little tokey-tokey while the kids are watching Eddie Murphy. All right, this is a true story. This happened, all right? Shout out to Hamilton Elementary School, all right? But I went from packing a lunch with my grandmother and my superhero. I had a Transformer lunchbox. Do you remember the metal lunchbox? I'm pretty sure they've been banned and outlawed now because they definitely could be used as a weapon, but it would have a thermos in there as well, that sweet, sweet nectar of uh of fruit punch that was my jam uh to going from that to being on the school lunch program the free lunch program where you got a little red ticket and if you lose that ticket you're not eating all right it's a very different 
situation to navigate. But, you know, it's just so many different adventures through it all. And again, it just depends upon your perspective. You know, we can fight what is or we can uh, embrace the opportunities within them and start to see outside of our circumstances. And so that's what we're seeing right now with figuring out things with our youngest son and also our oldest son. Uh, the college campus is not opening back up, so he's doing remote learning like so many college students across the country are doing right now. So again, this is navigating something uh, very new to all of us, but there is great opportunity within that. And that's what we're really gonna be diving into today. And I think you're gonna get a lot out of this episode. And by the way, speaking of that sweet, sweet nectar that was in my thermos, my grandma knew what I liked. She knew I liked the, the fruit punch, all right? Uh, Hawaiian punch. It was called, how dare they? Hawaiian punch. And But there was 0% juice in the juice. If you actually read it, 0% juice in the juice and just a massive amount of, we're not even going to call it sugar. We're going to call it kitty cocaina. All right, is that kitty cocaina in there, man? And today, of course, we know that these are things that we can dramatically upgrade for our children. And to take some of those same activities that we grew up with as a common part of culture, because I'm sure somebody's, many somebodies are out there sipping on some Hawaiian punch right now. They came out with noosed. When I was into it, it was just red. They just had the red Hawaiian punch. They end up having like a, a blue one. They got a green one. There's all kinds of punches, all right? But they're really just punches to your pancreas. They're really punches to the functioning of your brain. And even now, one of the great gifts that we have, my son and our neighbor next door, his best friend, Avery, they're the same age. They're literally two days apart. Kind of madness is that. So when we moved in, there's a child, is you know, his best friend now, two days different. So they're going to the same grade, but we've invoked so many of the uh, a different approaches to things because, you know, Avery, like other kids, he's about that juice life. You know, let me hit that juice box. Now Avery will come over here to our house if they run out and he'll go and grab him a red juice go pack and he'll open it up, pour it into his cup and he'll sip on that. You know, it's amazing because we're taking a, a behavior that people are already doing and radically upgrading. So what's up with this red juice? Listen to this. The Journal of Agriculture and Food Chemistry found that acai, which is one of the highlighted ingredients in the red juice, actually raised participants' antioxidant levels in their body. It wasn't just there's antioxidants in this substance. That's the end of the story because is your body actually absorbing it? And acai is one of the few things that have been clinically proven to show up as, okay, this is a dense source of antioxidants and it actually is absorbed and utilized by the human body. There's a real resonance there. That's how powerful it is. Acai is one thing. They've got the concentration of beet in there as well. Beets are one of the most powerful substances that's ever been discovered for improving cardiovascular performance and endurance. There are tons of supplements out there right now that are utilizing beets because of their impact on the cardiovascular system. Another one of the things in the red juice blend, and this is highlighted from research from University of Michigan. They published data finding that blueberry, all right, they've got a concentration of blueberry in there as well. Blueberry intake can potentially affect genes that control fat 
burning. So not just this thing burns fat, but actually controlling the genes that do this process. So truly remarkable, we're radically upgrading the punch model, the fruit punch model with the Organifi Red Juice. And it's something that I feel confident giving my, I'm sipping on it. Matter of fact, it, I have it right here. Sipping on it right now. The Red Juice is, is one of my favorite things for like getting families and kids on board and getting really dense sources of nutrition into their body. And it tastes good. That's a big key as well. So definitely check it out. It's Organifi.com forward slash model. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash model. You get 20% off their red juice formula, their green juice, which tastes amazing as well, and their gold. They've got some other incredible products. Just really great company, doing things the right way. And these are low temperature process, whole food concentrations, no sugar added, incredible sources of nutrition that everybody should have in their cabinet. So pop over there, check them out, Organifi.com forward slash model. And now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled, Sean is the OG by DBA40. I've been a longtime listener, nearly two years now, and I'll start by apologizing that it has taken me this long to write a review. Content-wise, this is one of the best, if not the best podcast in the space. But what sets the show apart is the data-driven, open-minded, accessible approach that Sean takes with all subjects. I'm naturally a skeptic, so I don't say this lightly. You have made a difference in my life. Thank you. Mm, that's speaking right to my heart. Thank you so much for taking the time to share that. And thank you for making me a part of your life. And listen, if you've yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. It means so very much. And now let's get to our topic of the day. Today, we're going to be talking about family and financial wellness during challenging times because it is a challenging time, to say the least. And for many families, not just here in our country, but all over the world, they're experiencing a lot of chaos, a lot of change, a lot of things are in flux and they're trying to figure things out. And I'm so grateful because on a recent episode we had on Dr. Daniel Amen, who is arguably the number one mental health expert in the entire world. He has the largest database of SPECT imaging scans actually looking at the brain. And he's the first person to bring to my awareness that in the field of psychology, which he's double board certified, and specifically looking at child psychiatry as well and having so many years in that space, he mentioned and, and said to me and just opened up this huge uh, door in my mind that the field of psychiatry is largely the only medical profession that prescribes medicine and treats an organ that they never even look at. And what he said was that if you take away the ability to actually do brain imaging, the field of psychiatry is still treating patients the same way they did in the 1800s. You know, it's based on a conversation when in reality, it's not necessarily a mental health issue. These are brain health issues and it's helping to get our citizens to have conditions, nutrition that supports healthy brain function. And there's so much that can be done to healing our brains. He's also done the largest study, largest database of uh, NFL players and, and doing brain imaging. And he's really helped to bring CTE to the forefront and understanding that condition and also understanding how much improvement can be made if we can actually look at the brain and see what the issues are. 
but having him on recently and talking about how can we help to kind of navigate the conditions. And he said something to me that was so profound because what I've been seeing and what I've been hearing and the feedback and just so many people speaking up and sharing their voices about their struggles is that for many families, it's been an incredible strain. It's been an incredible stressor. It was cool maybe the first week or two because it was like indoor camping, but stretching this out for about six months now and not having any end in sight and being able to try to navigate conditions that we've never experienced before has been an incredibly stressful time. But Dr. Daniel Amen said something so profound that it just stuck with me. And it was the inception of today's episode. He said that, quote, this is actually a historic time to put back the American family. The American family has been under assault for the last three generations. And the bonds between moms and dads and children have been strained by the fast pace of our society. And what this time has brought forth is an opportunity, should we choose to take it, to reestablish healthy family structures. And it's not that we were trying to have our families kind of go into disarray, but if you look at the results, you can see what has taken place. It's not just a matter of like people being happy or you know dysfunctional. We're talking about skyrocketing rates of anxiety and depression and mental health issues and skyrocketing rates of substance abuse. And many of these things stem from a lack of connection, a lack of community, a lack of family structure. Because first and foremost, our family is the biggest influence in our in our lives. Of course, we're gonna have social, you know, influence from our peer groups, but this is where we get our template from. And specifically before the age of about seven, the human brain is oftentimes residing in a theta brainwave state. And theta, that theta state is very impressionable. And things really have a an easier route to get into our subconscious during that theta state. So this is why kids, you know, under the age of seven, everything is so real. You know, the cartoons that they watch are real. Elsa is real. Let it go. Let it go. Elsa's real. Uh, the, the old Saint Nick. I'm not gonna just in case any kids are listening. I'm not gonna. Okay, the old Saint Nick. You know, Easter Bunny. The Easter Bunny is out pooping out candy-filled eggs. They believe it. We go for Easter egg hunt. The Easter Bunny dropped these. Does he poop them out, though? Maybe he's coming from his basket. Maybe I just skipped a step. But where the eggs come from? So all of these things are real. They're very impressionable. And understanding what an opportunity we have to influence our children's lives for the rest of their life. But many of us, we're coming into this with a lot of like, because you can't truly prepare for parenthood, but we're coming into it, figuring a lot of things out. And now with this thrust on top of us, we need resources, we need insights. We need to be able to see from different perspectives. And so with him saying that, it really brought forth a huge opportunity for us, but we have to take the opportunity because what happens when our children are no longer raised by us, but instead being raised by systems? And that's what's happened in the last three generations. What happens when our children are no longer raised by us, but by systems, school systems, computer systems, gaming systems, social systems that don't even include us as the parents? We have a very dramatically different human entity that's being created. 
And Dr. Amen put it succinctly by saying that it's simply not good for our children and their development when we've outsourced so much of their development and their growth and their learning to systems. And again, just to create a space and to lay this down as a foundation, it's not that any of that is wrong. It's not that it's wrong. It's just degrees of what we can do better. Because trust and believe, we're going to utilize technology for our son as well. You know, we're going to be outsourcing different components, but this is an opportunity to become more a part of our family's lives, more part of our children's lives, if we should choose to take it. So let's start with some of the basics, first and foremost. With this time that we have with our families, whether this is within the nuclear family, within the household, or whether this is connecting with your family virtually, this is an incredible time to actually talk, to communicate, to connect, to ask questions, to really learn about each other. You know, I'm learning things about my wife I never knew. The same thing with my two kids. And I really have the perspective that we spend definitely con considering all the things that were going on in our lives, quite a bit of time together and, and a great relationship. But right now, my wife, for whatever reason, even though she likes to play, I'm just, I'm just behind the scenes. I don't want to. She's been doing more interviews that she gets requested to do on all these top platforms. She's speaking at summits. She's speaking at Shanti's summit coming up here. Uh, so when this publishes, it might have already happened, but she's out here just do, she's doing the thing. And she's for years been like, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. I'll just, you know, I'm going to be over here. And now she is felt compelled to share her voice. And whether she realizes it or not, and this is a thing that I get to learn and to see, and she might be like, no, this is not what I want. She's being called to do it. And she's accepting the call. And I'm seeing new capacities in her that just makes me value her even more. And the same thing with my son, Brayden. I've really learned that this kid has a certain way that he likes to operate. He operates in a way he likes to knock out his goals, knock out his task. First thing, as soon as he wakes up in the morning, so he can do whatever he wants. That's how this kid rolls. He wants to get up. If his job is to put the dishes away, to clean up, clean his room, he's got a, a you know uh, some kind of a school task with his with a writing project. He likes to get up, execute, and then I'm free. That's how he rolls. That's how he, that's what he likes to do, and I get to see that very clearly. And then I can see the opposite. Because my other son is the opposite. My oldest son, Jordan, wants to put off doing the task and do what he wants to do first and then come back to the task later. He likes to delay. As a matter of fact, I call him a delayosaurus. He finds creative ways to constantly delay doing the thing that he needs to take care of. But the things that he wants to do, the things that he's dedicated to, he has a work ethic that I've literally never seen before in any other person. This guy gets up 530 in the morning and he's at the gym. And he has this dedication and this execution and this level of, of commitment that when nobody else is doing it, when society shut down, I'm going to find a way to execute on the goal that I have. 
And so this is the, again, these kids are opposites, but how do we work within that structure? Because everybody's different, but we don't generally know those things unless we pay attention, ask questions, be observant, and that this is what this time is allowing for us to do. So number one, talk, ask questions. Now, some people listening might know that sometimes with uh, certain family members or even just certain phases of their lives, you know, it tends to be teenagers. You ask a question, you get the one word responses. How was your day? Good. Tell me about your day. That's what I mean. So when that happens, continue to ask questions. All right. You get into that Scully and Mulder FBI investigation with them, you know, like find that way in. Be patient, persistent, ask questions. And so you can get to know them better. You know, these are people that we should know who are closest to us anyways. But this is the time to ask questions because I promise you the thing that you would regret the most is not asking the questions. There are so many questions that I have for my grandmother that I never got to ask. And if I just had one hour with her, all I would do is ask questions and listen. There's so many things I want to know that only she could tell me. And um, but the beautiful part is she's given me so much to imagineer what she would say. And I just feel that connection still. But you don't want to you don't want to leave here or be in a situation where a family member is no longer with you. And you didn't ask the questions. You didn't talk. You didn't explore. You didn't find those things out. So this is a time to talk, ask questions and listen actually spend time sit down and talk or you know maybe get together and play a game uh you know that you can kind of do while talking you know maybe it's playing a little pull playing little uh little little darts right i, I don't know when when i thought about darts i thought about the bow and arrow jump off that's not, I'm, I'm, i don't know if anybody has that but it's pretty cool if you do get out there and do some bow and arrows throw some axes whatever hang out talk with your family members all right, so that's number one, is utilizing this time to proactively, consciously take the time to talk, connect, ask questions. Another opportunity that this is allowing us to do is kind of going back to what I was just saying is, is not just talking and sitting down and having conversations and hanging out, but like take this time to actually play together. And I believe that families that play together stay together. Families that train together remain together, all right? So taking this time to do something physical with your family, do something intellectual, do stimulating, do something creative with your family. Take this time to play together and have fun and grow. You know, so this could be doing workouts together. This could be, you know, doing, uh, you know, playing games together. We just did a puzzle. We just did a thousand piece puzzle, okay? Now, there might be some, Puzzle savants listening right now. It's like a thousand pieces, whatever. For us, coming from 50-piece puzzle with my youngest son to like a thousand, it's quite a step, all right? But we became obsessed. And right now, there's so many different things that are puzzling in our lives. So real talk, if, if you feel puzzled, do a puzzle. It's right there available for us. And it really got us thinking in a different way. And again, you could see how we are together in the context of things. And there were some valuable lessons 
that I really took away from doing this puzzle with my family. It's, it's actually sitting right here on the table. I didn't plan on it being here still. So maybe we could put a shot up. We'll put a shot up uh, on the video for you guys of the finished product. So it's a Marvel uh, characters puzzle. It's beautiful. And we took some really powerful lessons away from this. It took us a couple of days, but we kind of got a little bit obsessive about it. And one of the biggest lessons that I really took away from that experience of doing a puzzle with my wife and my youngest son was, number one was to take a break. Take a break. Sometimes you can get so caught up with trying to solve the puzzle that you can't see what's right in front of you. Like when we have our head down and we're grinding away on the task at hand, whether it's something with work, something with family, et cetera, Sometimes we get so caught up in it that we can't see that the answer has been right there the whole time. And so whenever we would take a break and then come back, it's just like, boom, boom, I done put 10 pieces into the puzzle in 30 seconds versus like one piece in two minutes. You know, like the acceleration, you can just start, oh, there's that piece, there's that piece. Your brain has time. It's called the default mode network. And this is a capacity our brains have to literally start solving problems when we do nothing, right? So just taking time, take a break, step away, step away from the puzzle. I had to tell my wife, she's the most obsessive low key, all right? So step away from the puzzle, take a break, you come back fresher and you can see the things that are right there in front of you. So that was one lesson from doing the puzzle together. Another lesson that we took away was Oftentimes, a puzzle piece can appear to have no relevance whatsoever to what you're trying to solve. It can appear to have no relevance whatsoever to what you think you're looking for. But as time goes on, you'll realize that that puzzle piece you've come across was something that had an important role to play this whole time. It's just, it seemed like it didn't have any relevance. It seemed like it wasn't going to be what you needed. But over time, you'll find out that it had a role to play. How often in our lives do things happen? Do situations occur? Do connections take place? Do things get severed? Do, and I'm talking about relationships, not like John Wayne Bobbitt kind of. When things get severed, when uh, maybe negative situations take place, how often do those things elicit qualities, ways of thinking, strategies, uh, gifts, in our lives that end up playing a role later on down the line. Lessons learned from something previous that might not seem like they have any relevance to play, how often they come back and play a role in something else that we are confronted with later on down the line. That's what this is, that's what 2020 is. It's creating capacities in us, it's creating perseverance and, and talents within us that we didn't even know we had. We needed this situation to take place for those things to manifest. All right, so it's another thing that I learned in this process of doing this puzzle with my family. Another thing that I learned was that it's always best to use a model. Use a model. We got the box is showing you what the puzzle's gonna look like. It's a blueprint. It can take you five, 10, 20 times longer to put your puzzle pieces together and achieve your goal if you don't have a model or an image of what it's supposed to look like once you get there. And the same thing is true in life. It could take you five, 10, 20 times longer to figure something out and to put something together that you're trying to build if you don't have a model 
to follow. So here's the key, and this is the big takeaway. Learn from those who've already put the puzzle together. The blueprints are available. Wherever you're trying to go, whatever your destination is, there is usually 99.9% of the time somebody's gone through that thing. And there's this profound statement that success leaves clues, right? Success leaves clues, but also failure leaves clues as well. And we have the ability to be able to know what we don't want and to see models of, uh, of things not going correctly. And we have models of things that we do want and things going the way that we want. And understanding that truly in all aspects of our lives, we are standing on the shoulders of giants. We're standing on the shoulders of our ancestors. They've all created and paved a way for us to be here now. And people have figured things out. There, of course, they're going to be, there's going to be newness that we're looking towards, but every single layer of newness, there was already a preview of those things to come. There was already things that were established to allow that newness to become a possibility. All right. So this, our ideas didn't come out of nowhere. These were things that were brought to the forefront and made possible as we move closer and closer and closer uh, here going into the future by the people that have come before us. So utilizing a model, but also within the context, know that your experience of putting it all together, even though we're following a model, even though we're utilizing a blueprint with those who've already figured it out, when you're putting it together, it's still going to be unique to you and leave tons of room for creativity and you getting to your ultimate goal. But that's another big takeaway for me from doing the puzzle with my family is that it's important to use a model, use a blueprint so that you could see where you're going. Finally, one other lesson that I took away from doing this puzzle with my family that I want to share with you guys is that sometimes it's not about the outer appearance. It's not about the image. It's not about the image that's on the puzzle piece. It's about how it fits into the puzzle, all right? Because we can get caught up in what it looks like. And sometimes the appearance can, it looks like it's this thing over here, but it ends up being something totally different. But there's a strategy with putting a puzzle together where you can see there's a certain shape that fits here. There's a certain thing that fits. It doesn't matter what it looks like on the surface because the appearance can be deceiving. It's looking at what actually fits. And how often in our lives do we judge things on their appearance and not be able to invoke the possibility of them fitting into our lives or not fitting into our lives based on their appearance? This is a time to take back control of our minds and determining the things that fit in our lives and the things that don't fit. Sometimes something has a great appearance that does not fit us, but we believe we're supposed to take that on and try to make it fit when it simply doesn't. And on the other side, how often in our lives does something on the surface not look like it's a good fit, but it ends up being, especially when we listen to our intuition, especially when we listen to that internal guidance system. And myself being a scientist, the word intuition gives me a little like, I don't know, but intuition, the best definition that I've seen is intuition is advanced pattern recognition, advanced pattern recognition. And this is a capacity that we all have to notice patterns, especially if you've been through some stuff, you can see, you can see the patterns. You can see where this is going. It's like, oh, that's not going to end very good. Or you see something like, oh, that's, that's a good decision. That's going to work out great. Right. And how often do we ignore that advanced pattern recognition? 
And not to say that the intuition is in a different level, but we're just going to keep it science here. But I'm telling you, there's an internal guidance system that if we pay more attention to that instead of what we're supposed to do or what we're supposed to believe, it's going to guide us so much further faster. So I want to share that with you guys. And always when we're interacting with our loved ones and, and, and really working to navigate some of these new constructs and situations, there's so many gifts there. There's so many lessons for us to receive if we're paying attention. And another incredibly challenging thing that we're experiencing right now is in education for our children and education really for our communities overall right now. But the important thing for us to, first of all, is to embrace is that it's what is. It's what is. It's what we're experiencing. And we can spend a lot of time rebelling against it or trying to fight against it, but it, it, it's what is. And unfortunately, that comes with a lot of, of burden. I'm not sure if many people are aware of this, but right now, approximately 43% of children in lower income households don't even have access to computers for online learning. That's nearly half of the children in that demographic. These children are getting left behind due to the restrictions, due to the mandates, due to the decisions made outside of these children. Our children oftentimes don't have the capacity or the opportunity to choose for themselves. This is why we need to be so considerate in our thinking. Of course, we might be trying to address one issue, but does that create 10 other issues over here by trying to address these things? And our children don't have the voices right now themselves, but we're determining what their lives are going to look like. And my very uh, intention from the very beginning of this was to make sure that we are at least taking a view of these things, the decisions that we're making from multiple perspectives and making sure that the treatment for the things we're doing actually matches up with the condition and we're not causing residual side effects that can be worse than the treatment. And so these are all things to consider. And on top of that, millions of children simply don't have family home structures that can even provide them adequate monitoring and assistance with their schoolwork, even if they are able to get access to getting online, whether it's through a parent's phone or whatever the case might be. And this is because of work obligations with parents, language barriers, parental education barriers themselves, et cetera. The list goes on and on and on. And we need to consider these things because millions of children right now are faced with these issues. And now, of course, we can speak about these injustices and these things that are imbalanced right now. And we could find ways to support these children who are getting left behind in all of this confusion and disarray. But we must also ensure that our own children, who are our responsibility first and foremost, are able to continue to learn and to grow. So we can work to support the community at large, but also the lion's share of our attention, we need to focus on our children that are within our own household, our nuclear family, and also, you know, maybe it's your nieces and nephews. Like, what can we do to support the children that you have close proximity that you can, you know, reach out and, and impact directly because they need you right now too. There's a big mission in front of all of us, but this is something that we can do, but we need to have these conversations. 
And another task, even within all of this, is even if schools are opening in your state, there are several abnormal things to navigate for your child's mental, emotional, and social development with some schools keeping students and staff you know, six feet apart at all times. Some schools requiring children to wear masks throughout the entire school day. Some schools are mandating that there's a hybrid model where some schools allow kids to come to, to school for a certain amount of time while other students have to stay home and then that switches off. And all of these different things are going to affect their social and emotional and mental development because humans have evolved interacting with each other as a species. And now having this distance between us in your learning and the people that you are, your peers and the people that you're entrusted to teaching you, and whether or not this is based on science, whether or not this is something that we agree with or not, it's what is. It's what is. So we can do work to, to help to change those things if that's your mission, but also understanding that this is what is, how do we respond with what we can do right now to support our children? And so what are some of those things? So whether or not your kid is going back to school and it's super weird, or you here in the state of California, schools are not opening, all right? The kids is remote learning as the school year begins. So what are some of the things that we can do to support our children? Number one, it's incredibly important for all of us whether you're a mom or dad, grandparent, aunt, uncle, cousin, who has younger children who are looking to you, who you are modeling for, who need your support, how can you carve out some focused time to support them? That's number one. Simply asking the question and making it a mission, how can I carve out some focused time to support them? So I mean that with minimal distractions to support them. Because as the schools were closed and suddenly we were went from, you know, taking my son to school to homeschooling him, you know, and him doing online school with his teachers, it really was the, the, the burden, the lion's share, the responsibility, the privilege suddenly was passed to us in the greatest capacity. And whether or not we look at it as a burden or a privilege depended on the day, depended on the subject. And managing, how do you figure this stuff out? And one of the things that we really learned was that it's probably, especially until the routine is created, it's probably not a good idea to set him up to do his work while we're trying to sit next to him and, and, and work as well. We need to be available or it's just going to create a frustration between all parties when we're trying to do something and they're trying to do something. When we can maybe cut and, and schedule an hour to focus on with them, to support them, and then we focus completely and totally on our thing after that. Not, now there's gray area here. This is not to say that you can't sit and work next to your child because we absolutely can. I've done it and we found places where that's appropriate. But for our intents and purposes, it was really, we found that carving out some specific focused time where when he was doing his language arts and his writing project with me, I turned my phone off, everything is away from me and I'm with him. I focus with him. We execute, then we can go, I can go about my business, do whatever I had to do, and he can go about, you know, doing whatever it is he had to do next. So carve out some time as we go into this, whether your kid is going to school, you need to carve out some time to help to balance out some of the strangeness of the social and emotional 
barriers that are going to be in place as they're standing on an X spot on the ground six feet from another student. And they're trying to listen to a teacher who has their mask on and they're just like, and the kid is just like, what? It's kind of like, and this reminds me of the skit that Dave Chappelle did with, you know, with little John. And it's just like, you know, the teacher with the mask on, she's like, make sure you tell her to feel it. You're like, what? What? Make sure you tell her to feel it. What? Make sure you tell her to paper at the end of class. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that experience, you know? So how do you help to, you know, deal with the little John situation and help to buffer that by carving out some time to be as human as possible with your child or to be able to expose them to human connection. So maybe it's, you know, kids in your neighborhood that they get to spend some time with. Maybe it's, you know, other kids in your family. Maybe it's just you and them seeing a real human face and being able to talk and to communicate and to be able to read body language and facial expressions. Because uh, one of the things that I talked about in the Mask Facts documentary, which if you have not seen, where you been? Go to themodelhealthshow.com forward slash mask facts to watch the documentary. But one of the things that was highlighted is some peer-reviewed evidence on how the brain evolved to be able to read and make assessments about human faces. It provides a wealth of data just being able to manage and monitor expressions. And it's a huge part of communication. So we don't want to especially in the crucial times as children are developing, especially during like elementary, middle school time, especially that circuitry is being laid down to try to manage and read language beyond the words that we use. So carve out some time dedicated to our kids, whether they're at home or whether they're hybrid model or whether they are uh, going back to school with some weirdness, all right, different, very strange circumstances carve out some time. So that's number one. Uh, another important facet that we need to tap into is family teamwork, All right, Family teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? And being able to communicate with other family members for support. We have to do this right now. We have to communicate. So whether that's, you know, parents taking on different duties, whether this is, you know, bringing in, you know, an uncle or, you know, maybe you have, uh, you know, your father-in-law is, uh, you know, he's a musician, you know, or he's taught music or something like that. Be able to utilize our family and friends, communicate, ask for help. Because so often it's just this idea that we carry that we have to do it all on our own that leads to our demise. And I want you to open yourself up because I know there are gonna be a few people that really truly feel like they don't have anybody else to help them. And there are some cases that are very close to that for sure. You know, there are many, many single parents out there who don't have a social network to reach out to and to, to depend on uh, from the from the surface level. And one of those people I'm thinking about is actually a friend of mine. She's like a world class coach. But the structure, especially with her family not being in the same state and, um, you know, just the, the, the close family not having that apparent willingness to help as she's managing uh, her young children. But then it's just like we had conversations. She has so many incredible friends in our life that she's never really thought to. Maybe they can spend, you know, 30 minutes a week in teaching her kid fill in the blank. And she just had so many different ideas just by changing the questions she was asking herself 
and looking at the resources she does have because a lot of this stuff is not about resources, it's about being resourceful. And we need to be more resourceful now than ever. So family teamwork. So in our instance, uh, my wife handles a couple of the subjects just kind of standing on standby with Brayden and support because Brayden, he, and, and understanding your child, and he's a very kind of self-sufficient um, get up and go kind of like, I just want to execute kind of person. You know, he's more like me. He doesn't necessarily like being told what to do. He rather just like, you You give me the heads up on what I need to do, I'll do it so you don't have to tell me again, you know? And so so she'll be there on to manage that. And then I come in and do the language arts with him in the afternoon. While I'm working, I do, do my work while he's doing other stuff. Then we do that together, right? So maybe you got, you know, an older child or a neighbor who can teach PE or can teach art. Community time. Teamwork makes the dream work. Family teamwork. Community teamwork as well. So extending out to maybe your neighborhood. And also this is bringing up even for this for the learning itself, because another thing has become popular in the lexicon is learning pods, right? We've got these learning pods, which are sort of a hybrid of traditional schooling and like homeschooling and basically getting small, uh, like a small nucleus of children together, uh, whether this is virtually or, or in person, who has access to a teacher or a tutor and having the education take place through that medium. So uh, there's so many different options right now, but you can get online and look up learning pods in your area, in your in your city. And there are so many, you know, there's different Facebook groups and things like that. But it's just having the idea, having the awareness and then taking action. Maybe you just need that support and you can utilize different resources that you might have access to to become a part of a learning pod or to reach out to people in your community uh, to help to maybe teach kids certain subjects, to, to add support as a tutor. And we can figure this thing out. All right, another important thing that we need to put our attention on for our kids, our family members, and ourselves right now is to create some sense of normalcy and some sense of even excitement during this time of year when we're shifting to a new season, uh, kids are going back to school, or just overall, because especially for children, the human brain craves consistency. The human brain craves routine because it's able to literally create, you know, these, you know, the axon terminals and the dendrites and the myelin that gets laid down. But as we have routine, we create these more powerful pathways to automate behavior. Once we have consistency, we can automate behavior and that opens up the brain for new learning. If we got 10 different things going on, that's all new. There's so much newness. It's very difficult to retain any of these things and to put these things on automation and they have these behaviors and, and learning and insights to be automatic. So I hope that makes sense. Once we have consistency and routine in the thing, we open up our mind for new learning. It's very similar to when we learn how to drive a car the first time. All right. Teaching my son Jordan how to drive a car was low-key one of the most stressful experiences of my life. All right, I'm sitting over there. I'm feeling like a complete victim as this kid is is driving around this uh, couple ton vehicle, you know, but it's something that I had to embrace, had to be one with. I had to accept that things are going to be all right, but I couldn't reach over there and hit the, the brake of the gas pedal, you know, but and it's just that learning process for him as with any of us as we learn how to drive. Uh, but shout out to the the driving school vehicle. 
that has the brake and gas pedal on the other side of the vehicle as well. I don't know if it has a gas pedal, but I know it definitely has a brake because my football coach slash, he was also the driver's ed teacher, he hit that bad boy on me. He hit that brake on me while I was uh, taking his class. You know, and football coaches just tend to have, you know, they tend to be a little bit more already upset. They carry a higher degree of upsetness already. So, you know, shout out to coach. Uh, but anyways, when you first learn how to drive, you're so focused on being careful, everything, you know, hitting the, 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 the right turns, putting your hands at the right angles and, you know, accelerating the right way, braking the right way. The signs, there's so much to take in. But as you automate, as you do that behavior continuously, before you know it, like people literally like, I'm not saying to do this, but they're like texting and like eating a burger while driving the car. Not saying it's safe, but they're able to do it. All right. But for folks who are not, you know, going that far to be able to just drive and sometimes you're driving and maybe you're listening to a podcast. Maybe I'm driving with you right now. Listen, if if you were driving with me today with this episode, I need you to take a screenshot. Not necessarily now, but you could because you've automated this behavior. But when you when you finish, when you reach your destination, take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram. I'm at Sean Model and say, Sean, I was driving with you today. All right. At Sean Model on Instagram. But once we get that behavior automated, we can do things like listen to an audiobook, or and we can drive for miles and miles and miles and not remember a thing about the drive. Because it's, and it's not that we were not being safe. It's not that we were not noticing everything going on on the drive and noticing other drivers and having the right response and reactions. It's just that that behavior has become so automated. It's on automatic that we can do new things. We can open our brain for new learning. And this is, again, this is why we need to create some normalcy right now. Create some excitement with kids going back to school. I mean, the first day of school, before all this, it was a whole vibe. It was a vibe. First day of school, I'm getting the new fit. I've been purposely not wearing this fit to have it for the first day. The new shoes, come on. But then once you reach a certain point, you, be, you try to be so cool that you're not I'm not wearing a new outfit to school, even though you really want to. All right, but it's a whole vibe, new school. Getting your school supplies? Come on, get the, you remember the Trapper Keeper? Are those still around? Trapper Keeper, all right? Get all your, the 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 markers. Do you remember the, the markers that they had the smell of like, if it was a green marker, it smelled like, you know, limes. The red marker smelled like strawberries. I'm pretty sure they're outlawed. They might have came back. I don't know. I haven't been in the game for a minute. But they were getting kids high. All right? So I'm like in kindergarten, bent out of my mind. And I'm like wondering why, they, you know, teachers telling me to, you know, draw a tree. And I'm like over there writing like haikus or whatever. You know, I don't even know what a haiku is at a kindergartner. But, you know, I'm off task because I'm high because of the markers. But you know, getting the you know the school supplies, the number two pencils. Have you ever seen a number one pencil? By the way, what happened to the number one? Shouldn't the number two be the number one now at this point? If number one's not around, number three, four, I don't know. Have you seen them? Because I haven't. And man, I've been through some pencils. You know, like we played pencil break on the school bus. We had a long commute in that DSEC program from the city to the 
the county hour bus ride on average. We on there playing pencil break. We get the little form. Ah, you know, you one kid holds for those who are not affiliated with pencil break. One kid holds the pencil vertically, not horizontally. And then you got to try to break it with your pencil anyway. So all number twos, baby. That's all I know. So but taking some time, school supplies, creating some form of excitement for our kids. And if we could do this for other kids as well. And by the way, I'm going to post in the show notes and also on the website for this episode. There's an article with various resources for free school supplies for folks that need them. If you know anybody who's in need, if you are in need right now and need a little bit of support, there's an article I'm going to put in that has like eight different options for getting access to free school supplies. we got to help our babies, help our kids to make these things happen. All right. So creating some normalcy, creating some excitement as much as we can around, you know, going back to school and creating this new structure and just finding ways to find some joy and happiness within a lot of, of craziness. Uh, another thing is that, that I've been grateful for is the fact that having my son at home, we really get to determine even more so uh, his nutrition. And it's not that the school, like the school had, that he was at, it was this guy, I think his name was Chef John, if I remember correctly, but he's like whipping up food. It's not a lot of like out of the can kind of kind of joints. Like he was doing some pretty cool stuff for the kids. He get like different things from farmers and things like that sometimes for the kids. So it was really cool, you know, but at the same time, when he's under our roof, we can really be more proactive in what he's eating. Even if he wasn't, you know, we could take his lunch. Still, kids are going to be exposed to different things and that's all good. But just during this time, we can really continue to like supercharge the little guy. And, you know, even with his snacks, you know, he's got his little fruits and veggies that he can snack on. We've got, oh man, these protein bites. On it just came out with some new protein bites that are fire. My wife just crushed them. So freaking good. They already had the chocolate coconut cashew protein bites, but now they've got chocolate peanut butter protein bites, chocolate cookie dough protein bites. How about a little snack? It's like somewhere around like eight or nine grams of protein in a little snack. And protein is one of the most important fuels or building blocks for our the function of our brains that's so overlooked is how important protein actually is for those processes. And not only that, with the uh, on it protein bites. So we're getting high quality protein, but you're also getting prebiotics. You're also getting an array of micronutrients. They've got a cool little micronutrient blend that they put into it as well. And it just tastes good. These are the snacks that we have access to. And we just get like a case and he can go in there and he can grab some of these uh, whenever he wants. Uh, they've got protein bars over there. Also, we could just, we pretty much daily make him a smoothie as well, especially if he doesn't have, you know, a little snack like the protein bites and make him a, a smoothie and make sure that he's getting some high quality protein in there as well. So with on it, they have, so whether or not you're doing dairy or if you're doing a plant-based, whichever camp you subscribe to, because most of the clinical evidence, like we're talking like high 90% of clinical evidence on protein supplements are done on whey protein. So there's a lot of uh, efficacy there, but you want to make sure that there's no nefarious substances coming through there that, you know, these aren't coming from quote, sick animals. And so on it, 
Onnit is doing the right thing when it comes to that. But also they got a wonderful plant-based protein if that's what you want as well. Uh, but all of this stuff is available at onnit.com forward slash model. That's O-N-N-I-T dot com forward slash model. Get 10% off every single thing that they carry. Highly recommend checking out their protein bites. I've got a box of their protein bars in there that I keep. That This is something I used to travel with. Not really traveling now. But I just love having them on hand. They're so delicious, so good. They just know how to do stuff right, keep it sexy, tasty, and uh, again, incredible sources of protein. So pop over there, check them out, onnit.com forward slash model for 10% off. Also check out their fat butters. Oh, so good. So much good stuff over there. Uh, but I love the fact that we get to ensure that he's getting the nutrition that we really want him to have on a daily basis. So it's been another really important uh, bonus, Corona bonus that we've seen. So again, this is a time to help to create some normalcy. This is a time to create some excitement because there's a statement. It is what it is. You know, this is, we're dealing with something very abnormal right now. It is. How can we navigate within this to still create uh, growth, to still create learning, to still create a healthy environment? And by the way, I got to make this point too. As a parent slash teacher and support, it's a mandate that you must take care of your health first. You must take care of yourself first. You must take care of your self-care first. You must take care of your mental and emotional well-being first. Start your day, pour into your own cup so that you can give from the overflow. All right. We don't want to get caught up in situations where we're behind and we're trying to wait for a time to like get our meditation in or our workout or whatever it is. Get you covered first. So you have more to give. All right. That is the mandate. I know it's okay if it's not perfect every day, but make it the rule and not the exception. All right. The rule is take care of yourself first. Also, you got to practice patience here. All right. Especially, as, you know, many of us are not trained teachers. So understanding that these are new waters that we're navigating and, and practice patience with our children. Because they just trying to, they're just trying to be kids. They're trying to do what they do. And also having patience with ourselves. Because sometimes we will get frustrated. Sometimes things are not going to go our way. But to practice patience. And also, again, creating a consistent structure. And if we can, help to kind of modulate and create a learning environment for all parties. And this leads us to another important part of this conversation. Uh, and again, it was stimulated from Dr. Daniel Amen. And we'll put that episode in the show notes. It just came out uh, recently, but such an incredible conversation. But he also talked about the fact that we're spending so much more time on social media. Our social media time has skyrocketed since the quarantine and the, the shutdowns have taken place. Skyrocketed. But what he wanted to point us to was the fact of not just being consumed with social media, but proactively taking this time to learn something virtually because that's what we all have access to right now. And the same time when we're checking out what Cardi B is up to, we could be checking out how to improve our financial well-being. Both are available and you can learn from the best. You know, Cardi B's the best at being Cardi B. You can learn from some of the very best people in the world on how to improve your financial well-being. And this is a big issue right now, obviously. Um, as it stands, approximately 40 million 
Citizens here in the United States are now unemployed. And as it stands, a recent report has found that about 100,000 small businesses have not been able to handle the government-mandated shutdowns and have had to close their doors for good. While hundreds of thousands of additional small businesses, even getting into the millions, are struggling to survive. And I wanted to talk about this because small businesses here in the United States are in many capacities, the lifeblood of the American economy. And I don't think that many people really realize this because when massive amounts of small businesses fail, our entire economy fails. It really is the backbone of the American economy. And right now, in an effort to try to bail out or hold over small businesses, the U.S. government is finding ways of basically printing out money and like that this money can just come out of thin air. Like markets don't work like that. It just doesn't work. You can't just make money. You can't just make money to just give away. It doesn't work that way. There's repercussions. The United States government was already like trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. But we should also be like, who are they in debt to? Themselves? Thanos? Who are they indebted to? And when are they coming for their money? Because 2020 would be the year Thanos rolls up. But the way that we're handling these situations just doesn't make sense. In determining which business is an essential business versus which isn't, and the science behind that, and the science behind the regulations within the essential businesses versus non-essential businesses, and how it's being managed within the, the safety parameters with, within all of that, all of these things have huge holes and problems and concerns and questions that have not been fully examined. And now we're putting so many lives at stake. Millions of people, and this is something reiterated by Dr. Daniel Amen, the fallout from the shutdowns is very likely, it's not just possible, it's probable that millions of lives are going to be lost due to the government mandated shutdowns. Millions more than what we've seen with the virus. Millions of lives are going to be lost due to loss of employment because when folks are not working, there's a 50%. When somebody's unemployed, please hear this. There's, it's not just from, we, we know that there's an uptick in depression and suicide, homicide goes up, but there's also about a 50% increased risk of having a heart attack when somebody's unemployed. And just issue after issue after issue, and also the fact that pretty much all of us are gonna have some form of PTSD from this situation, especially if we're not doing work on ourselves. And like today's episode is getting is dedicated to how do we help to prevent some of these issues from happening in the future, which are coming down the line. So I just want to highlight that there's a lot going on right now with people losing their, their ability to take care of their family. And the biggest reason that the American family has been gradually pulled apart, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, is due to work. And with that underlying factor, it's due to money, right? The American dream has gone from this family structure to like, to, to more work, to accumulate, to acquire stuff, to make more money, to keep up with the, no longer keeping up with the Joneses, to keep up with the Kardashians. 
things. And the American family has been severed. This is a revolutionary time where we can create or reimagine or reinvigorate the American family and look at, okay, this has been because of money that we've done these things. Now money has been pulled away in so many, so many factors. But it's not to negate we absolutely need to make money. This is, this is how the economy works. We need to be able to you know, take care of our families. But what I really want you to understand is that you don't have to sacrifice your life in order to make a living. You don't have to sacrifice your life in order to make a living. And this is presenting us with a powerful opportunity to, again, reimagine our own lives and the construct of the economy and the construct of work and the, and the construct of the ways that we make money and the construct of making money, period. How few of us actually understand how money works, understand how business works. We're very good at making money for other people, but we haven't really been taught how to make money for ourselves. And this is something that everybody should know. When I went to college, I just gave them all my money. They didn't teach me how to make money. They taught me a bunch of just basics about subjects, history, biology, uh, kinesiology, nutritional science. There was accounting. Of course, I took accounting. But you're not learning about accounting for yourself. You're learning about accounting for a business, somebody else. I honestly still have bad dreams about accounting. Okay, I'm just being honest. It's not my favorite class. Teacher was so, she reminded me of Garfield. I don't know why, but... It is what it is. Shout out to lasagna. Uh, shout out to Odie. Um, but again, this is giving us a great opportunity because the thing that's constantly being overlooked within this entire conversation is the fact that even when businesses are finally able to open their doors, people are not just going to be rushing back to spend money in the businesses. It's not just getting to the place where businesses can open up again and allow customers people are not gonna go rushing back. Number one, people have less money to spend, oftentimes in many constructs. Also, millions of people are gonna be scared to go. There's gonna be a residual fear of death that hovers over tens of millions, at least lives of American citizens and also lives all over the world. So that's another reason when people are able to open their doors to small businesses, they're not just going to go rushing back. It's another reason that so many businesses are going to fail. And it's not because of their choice. Also, with many businesses closed, many customers have already adjusted to their new buying behavior, to shifting things to online options. And it may never go back. And even the desire to buy from brick and mortar businesses might never return. In fact, it probably won't for the most part. Um, you know, if you look at clothing stores, for example, people sh shopping online like crazy for clothes, like never before, even though they don't really have nowhere to go, I guess. Anyways, it's like when I get outside, I'm going to be, it's going to be lit. Back to school is going to be lit. But I'm going to take my back to school picture. And I'm going to post it on social media. Also, you know, places that people aren't just going to be going rushing back. Like, what about massage therapy studios? Like, even how is that even going to, to go? You know, it's, you know, the massage therapists, they got the mask on. They got the full hazmat suit to rub you down. They got like the, the dishes, you know, the, 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 the gloves that you wear when you do the dishes. And you're like, oh, th this massage is very different. It, 
It's very rubbery. You know, like how do these organizations adapt? Small businesses employ nearly half of the private workforce. Who knew? Nearly half of the private workforce. And these disappearances of these businesses that are continuing and going to continue, we haven't even seen the worst of it yet, is going to be deeply felt and permanently affect the landscape of the American economy. And so right now we need to be thinking on the actions that we must take. And one of the biggest lessons for us to learn is that today, 2020 has proven to us that no job is a certainty. This is not like when our grandparents were working at the car assembly lines. Those jobs no longer exist where you get into a job and you move up the ladder and it just and you stay in that organization. That's no longer a factor. As a matter of fact, we all have been gifted with the opportunity to see that very clearly, to know that we have to develop at least a small semblance of self-reliance. We have to develop at least a small semblance of making something happen for ourselves and to have something that is our own. And this is a time that we all have the opportunity, from my perspective, to align what we do to make our income with what we love to do with our lives. Aligning what we do to make our income with what we are passionate about. We have an opportunity to have those things to intersect more than ever right now. When so many opportunities, jobs, the market, the economy, which is going to continue to go on a downward momentum, unfortunately, fortunately, there is a new way that always emerges out of the old. And with that as a context of your passion and what you do to make income, asking questions like right now, being honest with yourself, what do you love to do? What do you love to do? Do you love to cook? If you love to cook, I promise you, there are an enormous amount of ways that you can make a living by cooking. Whether this is starting an online, like a YouTube cooking show and monetizing your videos or having you know YouTube ads or whatever the case might be. Or maybe you start your own spice blend from your cooking shows or maybe you create eBooks uh, with your recipes. I can go on and on. There's so many ways. If you love to cook, I promise you can make a living doing it. You absolutely could. And you gotta determine, do you wanna just make enough income to sustain your livelihood? Or do you wanna create wealth? Because both are, are possible. Both of them you can do. It's just deciding what you want. Because this goes back to the puzzle. What fits for you? Not what you should do, but what actually fits for you. All right? And another thing, if, you, if your passion is video games, if you love to play video games, you play video games for hours, like that's your jam. That's your peanut butter and jam. You can make a living playing video games. I know it sounds crazy. My son, there's a dude who makes Roblox videos that these kids are nuts about. He's so funny, he's this... That dude is racking up so much money from YouTube, paying him for content, because YouTube is paying people for attention. If you've got a lot of eyeballs on the content you create, then they're going to be giving you more income. It's available for you. This guy's probably making seven figures, and these kids are just like, 
giddy, learning about Roblox, all right? And all my man's doing is playing video games, making videos. There are people in at some video game tournament recently, it was for Fortnite. This kid won like $5 million playing a video game. When I was a kid, I remember moms and parents saying, it's going to rot your brain. You're never going to amount to anything playing video games. Guess what? Aha. <laughs> Five milli. Five milli. Crazy. So this kid's going to roll up in his Ferrari. Like, never amount to nothing. Huh? You know, but hopefully he invests intelligently with it. Never mind. But anyways, whatever it is you're passionate about, teaching fitness. Oh, my goodness. So many different ways that you can make a living doing the thing you love, even if you can't go to your gym or your studio right now. An enormous amount of ways to go about that. So again, what do you love to do? Ask yourself that because this is a time to align your ability to make income with what you love and what you're passionate about. Also, um, this is a good time to ask yourself, what gifts do you already have? If you haven't trained in how to monetize YouTube videos or create eBooks or these different things, or you don't even know what your passion is or your gift is, simply asking, and this goes back to an episode we did with CJ Quinney, just one of my really, really good friends, mastermind in business and marketing and impact with heart. Man, one of the realest people. So ET, who's been on the show multiple times, number one motivational speaker in the world, CJ is the president of the company. And these guys have been doing so much good for so long that people don't even know about. I've already talked with them about some of the things I share with you about kids from low-income households not getting access to online learning, not getting access to school supplies. I'm already working with them to help to address those things because they've been doing it for a long time. They're going into the schools where nobody else goes. People don't really care about these kids. They're going into the detention centers. I've gone into the detention centers and speaking trying to speak life into these babies and trying to find ways to support them and support the teachers. So CJ asked a question when he's on the show, if you're curious about what your gift is, asking yourself, what comes easy to you that is challenging for other people? What comes easy to you that's difficult for other people to do? Maybe that's video editing, right? Like my gift, I'm, I, I'm passionate about the human body, human performance, uh, the human brain. Edit a video? Something that might take me three months to do that somebody else could probably do in a day, right? And my three-month project is not going to look the same. So what comes easy to you that's difficult for other people, right? Maybe it's writing. Like some people, they're just like, they, they need a copy editor, need somebody to write their stuff for them. Or maybe they need like somebody write content for their website or for ads that they're, that they're doing. They just don't, they're not good, they quote, not good with words. And you're a writer and you can lend that gift. It's easy for you. Like, oh, it's just words, baby. I've got all the best words. So maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's speaking. Maybe it comes easy to you. Like you're just, it's just like breathing to you. Whereas for other people, it's just like, I can, I just can't get up in front of people and talk. Right. They rather be forced to watch reruns of Hee Haw for, for 48 hours or whatever the case might be. But Hee Haw low key was kind of good sometimes. 
I should not know that I know, but I grew up in very strange conditions, different households anyways. But so that's the thing that I want you to understand. What comes easy to you or natural to you that's difficult for other people. And another big takeaway for today is when we shift to taking more responsibility for our own personal economy, regardless of what's going on in the economy around us, when we start to do that, the shift has to take place when we ask this important question, which is, how can I serve? How can I help? It's an underlying premise because in order for you to make a living or make income doing something that you love, you need to have people to serve. You need to have people that you are able to give that product service to. So who can I help? Who can I serve? And when you do that, when you go from working in a job to having something that is your own, whether you're a sidepreneur or an entrepreneur and you're doing your own thing and now you're creating a structure where you own your own rights to your time and attention and what you're able to do when you go from job which is an acronym job just over broke you didn't hear that from me no it both things have value it's not that having a job is quote a bad thing but having a job in today's world whoo it's a very sketchy situation there are essential jobs of course that we're going to need to continue to have people to do but so many things are being shifted over to online work, to sidepreneur, entrepreneur, to give your gift in a new capacity. But when you go from working in a job where that is a value extraction paradigm, where you go to a job for them to pay you something, you go and trade your time and then they give you money. You're trading your time for money. That's the mindset. That's the reality. Whereas when you go into being a sidepreneur, an entrepreneur, having your own entity, your own business, your own source of income that you create, you're going from a value extraction paradigm to a value creation paradigm. People are not paying you for your time anymore. They're paying you for a result. They're paying you to get a certain thing done. And it's a different way of thinking because that thing might take you all of 10 minutes to do, but it's worth $1,000 to them. You just know the right button to push or the right code to put in, right? Or maybe it's something that takes you a month to do, but it's only paying what might have taken you, you know, two weeks to do in your, in your job that was paying you for your time. But if once you get that result for that person, you're building on that. You're finding out how to be more efficient. You're finding out the things that you need to do the next time. It's a learning experience and how you can give more value. So I just want to share that with you guys today. And also to extend this last important insight that community and support and having successful social circles around you is more important than ever right now. And it's important for us to invest our time and energy into people that are going to keep us uplifted, that are going to keep us supported, that are going to keep us elevated. And I have been working diligently to find more opportunities, to find more creative ways for people to be able to lift themselves out of their circumstances right now, whether it's financial, whether it's health, whether it's relationship-wise, and get access because that's all we really need so often. And allow me to be here right now with you today is that somebody gave me exposure. They gave me access to what was possible. And because of this, I've been working diligently the past few months to put together 
some access. And for myself personally, I've been working in the health and wellness space for 18 years and 10 years in clinical work. And about 18 of those years, almost the entire 18 years, some form of coaching, whether it's in the gym, whether it's uh, consulting for businesses and organizations, working with patients in one-on-one context, but truly understanding that right now more than ever, we have the opportunity to learn from the best. It's taking our what all what's going on in the world and so much has been shifted online. And my passion is health and wellness. My passion is helping people to be the best version of themselves. And if you have a passion for health and wellness, if you have a passion for nutrition, if you have a passion for coaching, uh, this is the time to take action on it. And so I put together a really powerful class and a webinar and it's gonna be coming up here on September the 1st, all right? So this is coming up right about a week from when this is getting released. And I want you to join me because I'm going to give you access to three of the most important tenets to help you to significantly make more income as a successful coach by learning from the best coaches in the world. That's what we have to do, learn from the best. Take the blueprint of the puzzle, all right? We all have to put our own puzzle together. But if we have a blueprint, if we have support, people that can help you do the puzzle, it becomes a joy to do, and it becomes an incredible learning process. And again, throughout the process, you create and tap into your own creativity, your own gifts to get to that end result of having that level of success. Because right now, there is an enormous need for people of your caliber, of your heart, to serve and help other people. Healthcare is in dire need of good people. But number one, we've got to get the best education. Of course, you've got to learn what really works in the real world so that you can then be of greater service in that. But you also need to learn how to, to create and sustain your own gift and your own uh, capacity and how you express that thing. Maybe it is through writing. Maybe it is through, you know, one of my really good friends is taken, pivoted from him being a, a coach, a health coach, to creating some of the most viral YouTube videos the world has ever seen. You know, so finding your unique gift within that, but what it really boils down to, number one, is to be able to help other people. Whether that's in a one-on-one context or one-on-many, now is the time to do it. So go to themodelhealthshow.com forward slash coach 2020. All right, so it's themodelhealthshow.com forward slash coach 2020. And get signed up because it's coming up very soon. And I just want to be able to give as many of these insights that I can. And if that is your focus, if this is something you're passionate about, if you're passionate about health and wellness, if you're passionate about helping people, if you just want to learn how to even manage, get some tips and strategies to uplevel what you're already doing, you got to be there. Come and join me. But today, again, I just really wanted to help to uplevel the conversation, help to shift our attention and our perspective, because it's a challenging time right now with family and with finances. And we have to think differently. 2020 is the year of the pivot, but it's also a year of, of great opportunity. And I'm going to continue to, to be here for you, to continue to provide resources, insights, tools, strategies, because that's what we all really need. But we also need a lot of love and we also need uh, a lot of support because we are in this together. We are truly one world family. There are no humans that are out there riding around in outer space that we know of shout out to star lord all right but truly we are here together as a world family 
And this is a time to come together and to support each other. And we can create something very special out of this chaotic time that's kind of fluxed up and create a world that truly does work for all of us. I appreciate you so much for tuning into the show today. We've got some epic shows coming your way very soon. Take care. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.